You're listening to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get under the skin and into the brains of the world's leading therapists with Dr. Susan Spicer and myself, Damian Mark Smith, as we delve into the world of all kinds of effective therapies with fascinating and challenging cases, plus marketing tips and what's really working in mental health right now. Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast, Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get under the skin and into the brains of the leading therapists from around the world. And today, all the way from Canada, we have Marion Ehrenberg, who is a psychologist, an educator and a writer, crucially, we're going to be talking about that in a minute. Uh, who lives on the west coast of Canada. She completed her doctoral training in clinical psychology at Simon Fraser University. And after a residency year in Ontario, landed a faculty position at the University of Victoria, where she spent many rewarding years as a professor focused on training clinical psychologists. Now, she has been offering psychological assessment and psychotherapy services in her private practice for over 30 years and is passionate about mental health awareness, destigmatizing mental illness and suicide, engaging awareness and compassion, and finding new ways to help. And crucially, she has written a very interesting, and I might also say very good, <laughs> a book that we're going to be discussing in the show. So, Marion, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So let's start with a little bit of background. Uh, obviously, you've got you know many, many years of experience. Let's talk a little bit about the book, though, because this is really interesting. Susie's, by the way, I should warn everyone, Susie's read some of it and says it's really good. It's brilliant. It's so good. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So happy you're enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about how, how did you end up going to write about you know, this for start, starters? Yeah, so um, I've always wanted to write a book that actually has a plot rather than the many research articles and practice papers that I have done over the years. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of a, a long dream. And then I had the idea of um, retiring early from my faculty position and really focusing on that, taking some courses, um, training, and, and then I decided to uh, write my first, my first book, which has psychotherapy at the center of it, but also has, I think, a quite engaging plot line for the reader. Fantastic. That's fascinating. You know, that is the dream of so many therapists to be able to move away from the one-on-one -on -one and really take their idea and just put it into a book. And as we were talking before last week, it's amazing that you have done that. You've actually done what so many of us have, have really dreamt of doing. So I just really admire that. And I'm, I'm impressed that you've done that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been quite a learning curve, but very exciting at the same time. So as you can see, we're, we're going to focus a little bit on, on the book in this particular episode. So it's called The Language of Dreams. So just give us a little bit of a background, because obviously you've, you've got a book trailer for it as well. And we're going to be sharing these in the show notes, by the way, for anyone who's interested. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how long it took, where you got the idea from, the development of it. Go for it. Sure. Um, the seeds of the idea have been there for a long time. Um, I remember being assigned uh, a book. It was called August when I started my graduate training and it was a psychotherapy story. And I thought it was meant to whet our appetite for psychotherapy. 
but it also wet my appetite for writing um, a story with psychotherapy mm -hmm. in it. Um, in the novel, I am looking at, I'm letting the reader into sort of the private space of psychotherapy. Um, what can happen in that, what can happen in that room? And I try to sort of turn up the extremes. So, especially around boundaries. So um, the protagonist psychologist, Avery, is a really seasoned, talented, um, psychologist but she's got issues she's got issues in her past and at the moment she's preoccupied with um a vanishing dream of motherhood she's kind of coming to the end of the time where she thinks she can have a child and it's not it's not going well so that's on her mind a lot and in comes um, the most imagining, who could be the most challenging client that you might find in your practice? I had some fun with that. So <laughs> enter, yeah, enter Claire, um, young, talented um, woman who uh, is angry, very angry at the world and who is only there because she has to be. She's been mandated into treatment um, for um, a problem with kleptomania. So the judge has sent her. Mm -hmm. So she is not happy um, to be there at all. And it is a tumultuous relationship from the beginning. And the boundaries are blurred right from the beginning. You've, you'll find that in the first chapter. So I'm not giving away too much and in the trailer, um, but in her haste, uh, over the lunch hour, hoping that she's pregnant. Um, Avery does a pregnancy test and she leaves it in her personal bathroom, not the main bathroom. And um, the way that things evolve is that the first thing that Claire finds, how kind of, um, is she finds the um, pregnancy tests in the bathroom. And she's very happy about that because she's unsettled the power differential and she feels like she's now got the scoop on this doctor getting under her skin already and it goes on for there from there how how do you come back from that and how might these two women um in the end transform each other's in ways that we might not expect mm -hmm. Fascinating. I, I love your character development. I love the setting in the psychotherapy practice, the opening where Claire walks in and she's like casing out the place saying, yup, I can take off my flip flops and make myself comfortable here. No, I think it's, it's brilliantly written. You're a great writer and yeah, it's just such a gift. And I'm sure like throughout your life, have you had specific experiences like in your life that have kind of shaped this, you to become a writer or shaped your work in this specific story? Um, in this specific story, I think that um, that the um, Avery coming to a hard uh, place in her personal development. Um, so, you know, quite a rule follower, really good at what she does. And um, I really like the idea both for myself and for maybe others who find themselves in that position to make a big change, um, to, to, to 
um, challenge oneself and to do things a little bit differently. Um, so there's that part of it. I think that all of us have um, a, uh, a rebellious part of ourselves that um, hopefully that we've gotten under control through the teenage and young adult years, but keeping a little bit of that spirit. So I have seen clients over the years that have definitely challenged me and not wanted to be there or said yeah. something that really made me think. And um, so that that is um, that is clear in the story. I think that behind, um, you know, and here we are at Therapist for Millions, I think behind many, maybe most excellent therapists um, is a therapist for them. And mm -hmm. I really wanted to feature that in the story. So after all this sort of happens in the first session, she starts to dream about the client um, which is always bad news. It means the client is getting under your skin. Right. You know, <laughs> here, here I go again. And off she goes to back to her own um, psychotherapist's couch, uh, who's known her over time and has helped her at the most difficult points in her life. So I wanted to build that uh, into the story. Um, I've gone through um, therapy myself. I really... Uh, benefited I speak about it um, openly and um, so I was also trying to you know kind of destigmatize that um, in the story that it is a natural place for yeah. a therapist to go it doesn't mean they're not doing their job or they're losing control although Avery does question at some points whether she is kind of losing her mind over the situation Mm -hmm. interesting that. yeah i love that and that's such a common theme too therapists needing to take care of themselves and therapists needing their own therapist it's it's yeah. one thing damien and i have really learned throughout this process is that a lot of therapists struggle with self-care yeah and struggle with with really practicing their own mental health and their own physical psychological balanced wellness yes yes yeah. i agree it's a very central theme and um, you know, one that in, uh, I'm sure it is in your even code of conduct that is yeah. really built in and emphasized now. And in fact, you um, are required, you should be doing it anyway, but you're required to do um, some training around self-care specifically. That's yeah. how important it is. Yeah. Nice. So how many, I've got to ask the question, how many of your actual real life cases affected the story kind of came in in some way whether it be semi-fictional or and 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 how many of those cases did you then kind of like adjust and go actually this is how I would have liked it to have gone so I'm gonna write it now because I'm in control <laughs> love it <laughs> great great um that's a great question and as the as the book is being read I I sometimes get that question from from a client who's found me online and is reading the book and Hey, you know, was that me in the way? <laughs> they wanted to be. Yes, I wanted to be me. <laughs> so I'm going to be really honest about it. The um, I wanted to really, I would say that every client I have seen has affected how I've written this book 
and the mm -hmm. characters um, nice. in them. But um, there is no one that I've seen who mirrors um, the uh, client that you see in the in the story. It's in a it's just an amalgamation of experience and themes, I think would be fair to say. Uh, so I decided that long ago that I would be very careful uh, to actually not write um, about my clients, even fictionalize that I would really create something um, that drew on my experience in the therapy room and all the amazing people that I've seen there over the years. Um, but wouldn't be about any one of them. I love that. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, obviously I've been around books a, a, a fair amount of time now and, and I've spoken with some people who will look at fiction and they'll go, I could never write that. And there's other people that would just look at fiction and go, I have so much opportunity to write anything. Yeah. And you yeah. can literally kind of pick it out of the ether. And, and, you know, those are sometimes the people that will go to, for instance, a coffee shop and immerse themselves in a coffee shop to get the inspiration for a character who's a barista, for instance. And, and they'll, yeah. they'll yeah. just immerse yeah. themselves in that character. I love that. And that that's such because I imagine there's, there's probably some therapists now listening to this going, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of would like to do that, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And Marian, how long did it take you to write the book? And did you have a process to do I this? Did, I yeah. did. I had a. I did have a process. I got really serious about it in around 2016. Um, I got on a plane. Uh, I went to Paris. I went to an immersive ten day retreat. Wow. It was about writing fiction and was very. Um, emotion viscerally based it had a uh, wonderful it's called the paris writers retreat and it's mm. led by a new york uh times best-selling author and journalist she wendy goldman rome she was amazing so we went through the steps of what you do in writing a novel but then we also wrote the outline for our novel checked it out with the group did lots of exercises where that were essentially guided imagery. You know, you're standing in the forest around, a, you know, there's a hole in the ground and you're looking at it and you're noticing and then go quiet and then come back from that, write. Don't put the pen down. It had to be actual pen writing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think coming from um, the unconscious and the subconscious and every one of those scenes and that I created in those in the at that retreat ended up in the book they found their way uh into the book and another part of my process was that's really important and in, it's kind of reflected in the title as well is there's a lot of dreams and dream analysis um in my book um and um what I would do is when I got to the end of a particular scene and I couldn't really see where the next scene would be, I would just kind of meditate on that when I um, fell asleep. And often I would dream, either dream about the next scene or I would wake up in the morning and I would know 
where to go next. So I really sort of trusted that that inner process to to guide me, and it was interesting. It was and it was a lot of a lot of fun that way too. And this is happening in the book as well. Avery is dreaming, um, and uh, Claire is painting and dreaming. She's a lucid dreamer. Um, in the book, it's her way of trying to recover uh, the parents that she lost in childhood. She's trying to dream lucidly and find clues about them. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. Well, what I'm really kind of getting excited about here is almost like this, uh, you know, when people write crime thrillers, for instance, you know, they yeah. kind of immerse themselves into you know, everything that happens for, for like that to take place. So, you know, they'll study the police, they'll study investigators, they'll study, you know, crime scenes, etc. As psychologists, as people that understand the brain, you're going to go in that step further. It's like, what's actually going on inside a person? Right. I right. love this. It's right. so cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, That's it, amazing. Yeah, it, it really is. It adds sort of another another um, another layer to it. And one of the most important techniques that I learned through the you know various courses and trainings is that writing is really like character acting. And so when I'm writing a scene that's from the perspective of Claire, as close as I can get to it, I become Claire. You know, wow. I use the language that she would use. Um, I try to see things the way that she would. And when I'm, you know, in Avery's head, um, I have a a different perspective. So um, I thought it was such a good tip to basically go into character the way that some of our favorite actors do and, you know, just immerse and become that person so that you can write from that perspective. I love that. Fascinating. And all of your research, too, as a clinical psychologist, feeds into that, too. Your research as to what a patient like Claire would look like, act like, sound like, how she would behave is all from from your doctoral training. And and of course, you know, Avery, what Avery would do in like Avery's perspective as a psychologist sitting across the the couch from her, sitting across the room, um, right from from the perspective of the doctor. Yeah. Yes, and I think that's um, what I'm also trying to offer to to therapists, but um, to uh, people who love psychological fiction, maybe people who haven't um, been through psychotherapy and maybe find that idea a little bit threatening. Um, I can offer something that is really authentic. Yeah. I, you know, I know what I I know how to do this, and I know what I would say, and I know how, for the outer world, how um, obnoxious and challenging a Claire could be. Um, mm. But um, I'm able to offer what might you know happen in the room and what mental health and trauma really looks like rather than there's other great books that do that. But sometimes the what you know when we, watch television and um you know we see a therapy scene i'm sure you've you've been there susan we're like you know ready to (laughs) because it's awful it's awful never happened like that yeah (laughs) would never Never. say that right 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 never right yeah 
So let's talk about marketing for a minute. So what are you doing to market the book? What am I doing to market the book? Um, well, um, I am, um, I have a Facebook page. Um, I um, have, to, I use LinkedIn a lot. So I'm trying to find niches. And one of the niches that I'm uh, looking for is therapists, because I think they'd really like the book and the feedback I've had from therapists who read the book. Um, they seem to have really uh, enjoyed and resonated with it. So, but that's not easy to do. So I'm learning. The book marketing part is I am, um, you know, I'm on like a walking up a cliff learning, learning that. Mm -hmm. So one of the most effective things that I've done so far is to have an e-blast coming from my own association um, that tells about the story very briefly, very visually, and offers um, therapists uh, reviews and um, the front, the cover, um, which I think is intriguing, if having a thief in your in your waiting room. And when I did that, I can see that on that day, I had a, a spike in, in book sales. Like, so that nice. tells me uh, it was exactly located that, um, that worked, um, getting people to review the book. Um, I'm, I'm have a book signing event, uh, coming up, uh, this weekend. I've had a book launch party. Um, but I would honestly say that, um, I am, um, and maybe many writers, uh, maybe many psychologists, writers find themselves there. I, I'm really at the beginning of what I think I can do for marketing um, my mm -hmm. book because it's hard. It's a tough, it's a tough market. And um, mm -hmm. I do believe that you have to really learn um, what's going to be effective. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on the subject of books, which therapy books uh, really were kind of influential um, in, in the writing of the book? Um, in the um, writing of the book, and I would say also just in influencing how I think about uh, therapy, um, one of the books or, you know, that really stands out for me is The Gift of Therapy by Irvin Yalom, who uh, writes amazing um existential psychiatrist who writes who writes fiction and who really um, speaks to therapists and particularly new therapists in this in this book um, and tells them what they have to offer and is really honest and authentic about topics like self-disclosure which is a big one in in our in our field um, so that is um, a very that was a very important book, an early important book that shaped my framework for therapy, having been trained uh, psychodynamically originally, was um, a book by a, a psychologist called Sheldon Cashton, um, and he wrote the book was called Object Relations Therapy: mm -hmm. um, Learning to Use the Relationship. So yeah. really learning to use what happens in the room and how the client reacts to you 
um, to improve your therapeutic impact. So those are those are two that really that really stand out uh, for me. But there's there's many more. There's a lot of wonderful books out there. Some of them are more existential like that, and some of them are really helpful like how to. Here's some techniques that you can try like in mm -hmm. mindfulness or um how you can layer that perhaps into your work that's how i see it anyway there's always new things being developed that you can try and and um fold into the work or the framework that you're already mm -hmm. um, that you're already working from yeah yeah. yeah, Sheldon's work on object relations theory and Bowlby and Ainsworth's work on attachment theory, a lot of those could be really, really good foundational material for, yes. for you. Yeah. And and what about non-therapy books? Like, have any of those played into your, like, your paradigm and, and how you write? And do you have favorites in the non-therapy? Um, I, I, I do have some favorites. So uh, one that I always come back to, and it's such a, it's, it's, terribly sad story but um still breaks my heart every time is sophie's choice oh yeah absolutely yeah mm -hmm. and um i was kind of just reflecting on why why am i so drawn to this book and i think it's just a it's a a, a beautiful and sad depiction of how uh trauma can um impact a person um, and that being, you know, Sophie and how she get, how she tries so hard to recreate her life and also shows unbelievable resilience and how she managed all that she had to go through, you know, during, during the Holocaust. And I think it's coming back to me again now, um, to be honest with you, with the rise of anti-Semitism, um, so I think books that tell the story of the um, Holocaust within it, I think are are really important and that do so from a, a really close personal perspective, which I think the, the writer really did beautifully. And the film was, was pretty um, amazing mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one that stands out. Um, I love the works of Anita Shrev, um, who S H R E V that um, author, and she um, like um, uh, surfacing is one of her her books. Um, I think that's another one is called something like the Quiet of the of the Night. And she um, is, I think, really um, excellent at depicting uh, women and women's uh, relationships, not just marriages, but, but, but friendships and really gets sort of really uncovers that and usually in a very, um, you know, twisty and interesting uh, plot line. So those are some of the ones that come to, to mind reading yeah, you know, a really good book right now that I I'm about halfway through um, that I'm really loving and just briefly it's the it's called a time of light and shadow and it's written by um, a, a Vancouver Island um, writer and it's uh, a memoir of her work as um, traveling through the world 
um, as a Red Cross nurse and all the mm. things that happened on her her journey. She's retired now, so she's uh, wow. taken to writing. Yeah. Always new good books to read. It's yes, always. Yeah. Any any thought about the language of dreams having a sequel? Absolutely. I've 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 written the first uh I've written the first scene. Oh good. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited. I have my own ideas that have been percolating. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm really excited by um starting to get feedback from, from people who have read and saying, So, you know, how is this gonna go on? How can she go on like this? I have to be very careful here, no no spoilers, and that is just encouraging me more. Right. To keep to keep telling more of what happens to these two interesting women that are at the center of the story. I love it. Fantastic. Now I want you to put your 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 fictional character shoes on, yeah. and I want you to, as the as the fictional psychologist, give your views on the top tip in mental health right now in the world. Um, that's such a great question. Um. My um, top tip that it comes out, it comes up all the time in my therapy sessions of late is that people are really overwhelmed um, by all the things that are happening in the world that are, are fairly, uh, you know, disturbing, like what's happening in the Ukraine, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and what, uh, what my tip is, is to, um, limit your exposure to these traumatic images. Um, read a summary instead. It's it's bad enough as it is. Um, and then think about what's one thing that I can do, not trying to do everything. What's one positive action that I can take now to help? Um, and that might be looking in on an elderly neighbor, or it might be um, donating to um, a charity within your means. So it's that not being bombarded. I don't think we're made to be bombarded by these close-up traumatic images and still be able to cope. And then it's about focusing on what you can do rather be, than being paralyzed by all that needs doing, right? That's so good. That is so good. That is so good. And so finally, one of our favorite parts of this podcast is yes. to win one of these exclusive Therapist Alliance t-shirts that you see we're wearing. We'd yes. like you to share a fact that blows our minds or tell us a joke that's one of a kind. Okay. Mm. okay. Might be a bit of a, um, a bit of a combination. Okay. Uh, nice. What, yeah. What are the key things that Canada is known for? You might have your own ideas. It turns <laughs> out they is are. It, is it Justin uh, Bieber? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great. I like Justin Bieber. <laughs> he is so, great. Yeah. 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 That would be up there. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. People are asked and sort of visitors and Canadians themselves. Um, uh, what we hear is the the scenery, nature, and the um, variability and vastness of it. 
Um, second is hockey. I think Wayne Gretzky. Mm -hmm. Third is maple syrup. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth is extreme politeness. I'm very sorry to tell you. <laughs> I love it. Is that worth the t-shirt? There you go. You done both. <laughs> love it. Yeah. That's brilliant. And and finally, Marion, how can people get hold of you? How can they get hold of the book? More importantly, yeah, my um, they can get a hold of me through my website. Is probably the easiest path. Just Marion www.marionarenberg.com. Um, and the, there's a, a way of sending me an email through that site, or you can email me um, directly. And that would be uh, dr as in doctor dot marion dot Ehrenberg at gmail dot com. Where can you get the book? The book is available on um, on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, Friesen Press, which is the publisher, and it is available at Indigo and some um, local bookstores. Um, in all kinds of interesting places that have picked up the book locally mostly but somewhere in sweden a bookstore decided they were gonna wow nice have my title <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. not it's not it's in english so i hope i hope people can manage love it well we will put all the links to those in the show notes and um thank just leaves us to say thank you so much marianne for thank you so much sharing your journey but also sharing your journey about being a writer and i, I know there's a lot of people going to be listening to this going oh i really fancy a bit of that i can't <laughs> just yep, uh, yep. just let, let you know the people listening it's not as easy as you think <laughs> it's not as easy as you think but like most things you know try it Right, yes, like one absolutely. You know, right, one little, right, one little scene. You know, I, I really encourage people who want to do this to, to start small and just try it out because it's really, really rewarding. It's a, it's absolutely, a, it's a great journey. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thanks so much for taking the time out to share your experience, and uh, we really appreciate you and everything you're doing out there right now. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me today, both of you. Absolutely. Thank you. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Therapist to Millions podcast, may we invite you to check out our free for life Therapist to Millions online membership course for therapists and coaches who want to grow their business without trading more time for dollars. We've created the world's premier digital marketing resource exclusively for therapists, and it's yours for free for life. Just head over to therapisttomillions.com and sign up now.